0: Hi all. On this episode of Dudes of Kung Fu, uh, Alex and I do a short recap of uh, UFC 205, and we answer a question from Anthony regarding uh, the power and striking during Chisao. After that, we talk a little bit about how people kind of have to be real as to who they are and be who they, you know, be proud of who you are, as opposed to making up various bullshit about yourself. So, hope you sit back and enjoy. It was fun making it. Dudes of Kung Fu. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode eight of Dudes of Kung Fu. Yes, I almost fucked that up. But <laughs>
1: <laughs> Well, when do we ever get it kind of right anyway? You know, it's like, I think that's the beauty of our podcast is it's always a little bit messed up every week, but it's always messed up in a slightly different way. So <laughs> it, it keeps things new and fresh.
0: <laughs> but it's funny, you know, it's the sure sign of a guy who's been punched in the head 10, 10 times, more than 10 times, 200,000 times. Like, I'm literally reading a over a piece of paper, Dudes of Kung Fu, Season 2, Episode 8. And I lost my place halfway through. (laughs) Wait a minute.
1: Wait. Did I did I say dudes of kung fu yet? I can't remember. (laughs) Oh man. man! How was your week, brother? It's been a very busy week, as you can imagine. Uh, this this time of year gets pretty busy at the Kung Fu School because uh, right before the holidays, everybody wants to get all their lessons in and do a lot of training because they know they're going to be away. Um, I, myself, I'm actually going to be away from New York for the whole month of December. I'm going to be down in Miami finishing some books, working on some projects. And uh, so, although it sounds like I'm going down there to just kind of enjoy the beach, which I promise I won't ever enjoy the beach, uh, I'll actually be working uh, pretty much every day and and doing some training as well, Um, but most of the time just writing books, working on new curriculum stuff. Uh, It's a great time of year to do do that stuff because it's a little bit slower in the martial arts school. Come January, it gets busy again. You know, people have their New Year's resolutions, and then the school is packed. January 2nd, it's it's a madhouse at the school. So um, I I found year to year that December is kind of the best time of year for me to kind of, uh, you know, Go, go into my go into my cave in the mountains and, and get some stuff done before it gets crazy again so i'm kind of gearing up for that right now what about you
0: uh the things are good you know me i'm i'm, I'm boring you know it's uh work family i I, I, you know, I spend most of my free time uh screwing around on the guitar and playing around with kung fu it's like yeah.
1: And listening to old episodes of Dudes of Kung Fu, of course. And of
0: course, Listen, you know, speaking about listening to new old episodes of Dudes of Kung Fu, if you look at our numbers, and I literally think it was like last week where we broke 10,000. Yeah. We have 900 downloads this week. Wow. wow. But only like 400 are last week's episodes. So that means wow. people are going back and listening to the old episodes, which is oh, really sure. cool. That's sure, awesome. sure, sure. But we had 900 downloads in one week. That's
1: incredible. uh, For us, that's pretty freaking good.
0: You know This Yeah, uh, because
1: we're nobody, and nobody knows who the hell we are.
0: (laughs) Right, exactly right.
1: (laughs) By the way, uh, for our audience members, you may hear my daughters in the background. I'm recording this podcast from home tonight, and so uh, I have done my best to kind of placate them, but uh, alas, I have a four-year-old and a one-year-old, so they they will make the noise that they will make.
0: And you know what? Conversely, um, I'm recording from home also, so you may hear I have a 22-year-old blonde tied up over here. (laughs) <laughs> if you hear us screaming, don't. And I'm only kidding. I'm <laughs> man. I'm just kidding, and
1: let's you know, go Saturday I'm night at the Madigan household. <laughs>
0: right, listen, you know, you know it's, it's it is what it is. I'm a perv. I'm only kidding. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> only kidding,
0: kind of. Right. Hmm. Only so on that note, we want to <laughs> we want to <laughs> wish a dudes of kung fu happy birthday to uh, one of the coolest guys out there and uh, a guest on our podcast previously. Uh, Sifu David Peterson. Uh, yeah, another another November baby. Yeah. Yeah. Ha- happy birthday, uh, Sifu Peterson. And uh, we hope you have a great day with your family and your Kung Fu family. And uh, we want to thank you for coming on the podcast and begging you to come back on again soon. <laughs> <laughs> Please come back. We
1: we've exhausted all of like the four possible guests we will ever have on this podcast. We need to start recycling them. So on on a very special dudes of Kung Fu. (laughs) We're going to have somebody we've had before. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of weird for um, in terms of guests for our podcast. I mean, certainly um, we've all the guests that we've had have been absolutely amazing. And for those of you who. Uh, are new to the show. If you go back and look at some of the older episodes, you'll see that we've had uh, Sifu David Peterson, my good friend, Mark Cheng, who's one of uh, the students of Sifu Dan and Asando out in Los Angeles, also a very good friend of mine. We had uh, Sifu Jim Rosalando just recently did a fantastic podcast about the history of Wing Chun. I got so much good feedback on Sifu Rosalando's podcast because I think it was the first time that people had the opportunity to really hear a lot about the latest discoveries in Wing Chun history, but it not not be either a complete snooze fest, or it just be essentially shamelessly promoting some kind of new lineage or something like that. It was just like listen to all this cool stuff about Dr. Long Chan and about Wing Chun and so on and so forth. So, you know, I uh, got a lot of positive feedback from that podcast as well. Um We also had uh, Burton Richardson on, which was a great podcast. I mean, was so much fun. Um, So all the guests we've had so far have been absolutely fantastic. I would love to get more guests. Part of the problem is some of the guests I would really like to have don't really speak English. So um, you know, a lot of my um, you know Wing Chun family in Hong Kong and and you know people that I know would be great to have on. If if not for the fact that they you know speak pretty rotten Chinglish, and that would be about the extent of what we can do. So we may have to start. Cycling some guests soon, and hopefully, we get your seafood on the podcast as well.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And speaking about the guests we've had on, and um, one time we had a guest host on, uh, Anthony Iglesias.
1: That's right. Uh, when when I like, I couldn't make it for some reason, I forgot I, I forgot what the deal was.
0: Yeah, it was something. It was something really odd, like you were busy or something. Yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> I'm never busy. I,
1: like, I had to go to the tanning salon that night or something right, like
0: exactly that. Exactly <laughs> right. Or your hair gel didn't come out right or something. Exactly.
1: Else. I I just could not do the the audio podcast if my hair wasn't right.
0: Right. You know, he's he's it's like he's fucking pretty. It's scary. Anyway, <laughs> so. Um, we had Anthony Glacius on, who did an awesome job filling in for you one day. I really, we're really grateful for that. And with that, he had sent in a uh, topic for discussion this week. You uh, feel like jumping right on topics, or yeah, let's go ahead. Wanna... All right, so um, you know what? Let, let let me. You know what? Let me. Th- I'm going to throw you a curveball before we jump on Anthony's question. Why don't we discuss uh, UFC 205 a little bit? Cool oh
1: yes. Yeah, because our our last podcast we actually recorded right before that UFC happened. So it was all the buzz I thought Eddie Alvarez was going to give Conor a much more difficult fight. I thought it was going to look something more like Chad Mendez and um, Conor McGregor's fight, uh, except that maybe Eddie Alvarez would obviously have a uh, a better training camp and a better gas tank than Chad Mendez had. But I kind of thought it was going to be a little bit like that. Like Eddie was going to be able to grind him out, take him down, do, you know, very similar to what he did to Pettis. So, but not a chance, man. I mean, that was like watching a professional and an amateur. I mean, he was outmatched in, even in the wrestling when he tried to wrestle Connor. I mean, Connor just handled it. It was unbelievable. And that left hand is so scary, powerful, and accurate. It's like watching a cartoon. I mean, how did you feel when you saw in that first round, he just dropped him like nothing with that left hand.
0: I couldn't believe it. Like, you know, the precision of Connor's precision is, is so underrated. It's amazing. Um, You know, some people have said that he, he hits like a Mack truck and, I think if you think of like like a pole hitting you just with precision it it must be it must be devastating to your to your core you know right. um I saw a video a story an interview with Eddie afterwards and he literally said that he had no idea what he was getting hit with he didn't know it right, wasn't that
1: coming that first one that dropped him he didn't even know what that was and and there must have been a moment there and maybe Eddie's not quite ready to admit it yet but you know, there's this thing about Connor where you're not sure if it's all hype and uh, you're not sure if he's just been lucky or whatever. And of course, us fans of Conor, we, we believe it's obviously much more than just hype or whatever. But, you know, for somebody like Eddie Alvarez, I mean, he probably really did think that he had the keys to beat him with the wrestling and everything like that. And, and that, you know, like he was saying, Santa Claus isn't real and he's going to show everybody. And then to go in the ring with him and be like, dude, this kid is every bit as good as people say he is. And he's even scarier when you kind of realize it in the ring for the first time.
0: Right. I think um, he said I, I had, there was a great interview with him. I don't know where the hell I heard it. My son sent it to me where he said the, 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 the game plan was for him to move to his left
1: move to the left and wrestle he said right, right
0: move to the left right move to the left and wrestle and, if, and and use leg use leg kicks and if you're watching the first minute or the first 30 seconds that's what Eddie's doing and right. he, he, he scores on Conor, I think two maybe even three, three. low kicks right three low and kicks. he
1: actually kind of tripped up Connor a little bit because Connor has that hardcore side on stance which is susceptible to the inside low kick. But um Eddie on that third kick, Eddie said he hit with his foot right on the shin and then couldn't do that anymore. Uh and also Connor was already starting to figure it out by that time too. I mean, Connor his fight IQ is so unbelievable how he can just adapt on the fly. He's it's unbelievable.
0: Yeah, well Connor Connor reminds me of Tyson in that I mean, although there's completely really different types of fight is what what, what how t- kind of reminds me of Tyson. It almost seemed like an, an innate ability to control the distance of the bout. Right. You know, it's this idea of just being always feeling like you're just outside of range. That your opponent's just outside of range, except when he's not. You know, like right. I, 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 I'll explain to guys that train with me. If you want to understand distance, picture being in a ring with Tyson. And every jab you throw at him, you fall short by two inches. And every jab he throws at you, he hits you in the face square on. Right. That's a guy. And it's not that he has longer arms. It's that his movement, his body sway, his momentum, his way of breaking the rhythm, all of this helps him control the distance in a, in a, in a way that you can't figure out. And that's what it looks like to, to, looks like to me when it comes to Connor. Conor can move in a way that, He's either just out of range or just off angle until he doesn't have to be, and then he's right. just spot fucking on, and it's just it's incredible. But you know what, dude? He wasn't even Connor. It was a great night of fights.
1: Yeah, was- although I want to say I want to say one last thing about Connor before yeah. we go into the other fights. Um, You know when Chael Sonnen interviewed Eddie Alvarez about that? Did you hear what Chael Sonnen said about Connor? No. He says, you know, like. He's a very difficult puzzle to figure out. And he and he basically said, you know, Connor with his Jeet Kune Do is a very difficult <laughs> one to figure out, right? And I think he was probably making a reference to the fact that Connor trains at SBG, right. straight blast gym, straight blast being what uh, Jeet Kune Do people call essentially straight punches or whatever, the chain punches. And, and having, although I don't necessarily believe that Connor is training in Jeet Kune Do per se, but it definitely has some kind of roots. Somewhere there, and as well, but if you think about it, you know, Connor does actually fight in many respects in that kind of template of Bruce Lee with the controlling of the distance and the timing and the rhythm, and and his leads and 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 the way he makes use of his lead leg and his lead tools as well to set up the big powerful um, rear hand. Um, it is interesting. I mean, to a certain degree, we are seeing what, in my opinion, looks like. A template of Bruce Lee's expression in MMA. I mean, what what do you think about that?
0: I will, first of all, a few things. I, one, I absolutely agree with that. But now, so let's go back a little bit in in, in recent history. Connor trains at Straight Blessed Gyms, um, and the Jimmy Trains lot is in Ireland, run by uh, uh, Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh, right. Now, Kavanaugh is part of Straight Blessed Gym. Straight Blessed Gym is run by Matt Thornton. Uh, he's the uh, the owner-operator of Straight Blast He's the creator of Straight Blast Matt Thornton comes from a Jeet Kune do background. He uh, was originally a student of uh, Paul Paul Vunak and Tom Cruise many, many moons ago. However, I will not give, although I believe that Connor fights, um, I think Connor is the personification of Jeet Kune Do. I, do, I don't want to give Matt's Jeet Kune do history or lineage, any kind of credit for it. And, and it's coming from a gym and, and, guy.
1: And, and we also need to let people know that you actually know Matt Thornton and have trained with him personally and ran a gym under him. So this isn't your assertion having never met him or like for those who haven't listened to the podcast before, you you know Matt Thornton.
0: Oh, I know Matt Thornton pretty well. Um, Matt Thornton is an awesome guy and he's so fucking ridiculously intelligent. And, and yeah, I've tra- trained with Matt Thornton. Matt Thornton's been to my house. And um, remind me, i got a quick story about that, too. But, uh, uh, you know, Matt Thornton... Okay, look, so any kind of athletic endeavor on a high level... I've, I've talked about this on a podcast before. Be it uh, most sports, hockey, football, you see a, 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 a respect for and a use of distance, timing, and rhythm. And I feel that Matt came to those understandings through high level training this idea of distance control i will not give any instructor he had the credit for teaching him that you know okay. maybe maybe his brazilian jiu jitsu coach you know and i'm drawing a blank on the name right now but matt is incredibly intelligent because the jkd that matt's coming that matt came from while incredibly effective doesn't really stress distance, timing, and rhythm in that way. So, that, so that's why I'm saying it. There are JKD families that do stress that, and there's JKD families that stress something else. Matt's JKD family that he came from stresses something else. So in my opinion, the idea of this, this controlling the distance and the timing and the precision is all stuff Matt either came away with after or came away with in training with people now. This is not this is not a holdover from 15, 20 years ago, when um, when Matt was doing JKD. Now Matt works on a on, on a on a on a performance based curriculum. Everything is performance based, so he's not going to hear words and say, "Okay, I need for you to do this." What he they figure out what works and then dissect what worked and to see why it worked. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was the formula into creating what is now Conor McGregor. Now, Conor McGregor is the perfect person for this. You know what I mean? Realize the amount of people that train in this is tremendous. This is not like, oh, you know, there's not there's not 200 Conor McGregors out there. You know what I right. mean? So it's a combination of, of the intelligence that's going on, the open-mindedness going on of that organization – which, uh, by the way, they had the greatest slogan in the world. I wish I could rip it off. It's uh, one tribe, one vibe. It's, <laughs> they, they are incredible. and, um, and But also, they had the right guy, Conor Morgan. Now, they have a great stable of fighters. And they all kind of fight with the same core. But um, more Brazilian jiu-jitsu-based than Conor is. Conor seems to be much more stand-up. But I think that is because he's European as opposed to American. You know, right. the Europeans just don't have that whole wrestling thing going on just yet, although it's gotten much better. Now, just on a quick side note, I just want to share a quick story with you guys. Um, Matt Thornton, many years ago, had come to my house a few times for dinner, and uh, we were train in my basement. And one time, he's here with a bunch of bunch of Straight Boys Gym guys. I'm not going to name drop, but, you know, some of them you guys know of. And one day, when we're, we're having dinner. And Matt kind of disappears. And where, where the fuck's Matt? Now, how do you lose like a six foot six guy, right? <laughs> right? Where's Matt? We find Matt upstairs in my kid's room playing GameCube with my son, John, who was probably <laughs> like 11 years old at the time, you know? So li- literally, maybe a month or two ago, my son, John, who loves Conor McGregor, fucking loves Conor McGregor, he comes down the stairs. And he's like, he's like, Dad, he says, I just heard does Conor McGregor representing Straight West Gym? I'm like, yeah, all right, he represents Straight He goes, Straight West Gym, like Matt Thornton Straight West Gym? I'm like, yeah, like Matt Thornton, like Matt Thornton, the guy who was playing fucking GameCube with me upstairs.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and I'm like, yeah. He's like, so you know Matt Thornton, who is the coach for Conor McGregor? And I'm like, yeah, I guess you can put that together. He's like, how come they never told me? <laughs> i just thought That's it was funny. pretty funny you know how he just came That's... down the stairs like it all came together for him at that moment you know sure yeah. sure sure but, but matt, matt matt's a great guy and matt's a really smart guy and yes i so i do think just to get to bring it back to what we started talking about i do think that connor absolutely embodies mm-hmm. and is the personification of the jeet Kune do principles being used but I, I I don't want I don't want fucking some asshole who's who's Bruce Lee poster in his basement hitting his fucking heavy bag and doesn't talk to other people, claiming uh, some sort of connection with with Conor McGregor saying oh well I own the Tai kun Do and mixed you know what I know of Wing Chun and Taekwondo and kun Do. so look it works for Conor McGregor look look I'm I do the same stuff he does no you don't
1: right. Conor McGregor is a very special person he's the combination of a number of uh attributes with hard work uh his personality i mean it's a culmination of a number of things this is really a a a once-in-a-lifetime um phenomenon that we're seeing here and uh um yeah i think it's it's always that people are going to do that anyway regardless of how much you try to hedge that bet but what do you think of the rest of the card man yoel romero and chris weidman did you see that flying knee holy crap
0: oh my god that was incredible
1: Joel Romero is a very scary specimen of a human being and he's Cuban. And for our listeners, I'm, I'm also half Cuban. So I'm always cheering the, the you know, the two Cuban fighters were Yoel Romero and, and Hector Lombard, who unfortunately both of them have a history of cheating. So I'm always like, ah, oh, damn it. Why, why do the two Cuban dudes have to be cheaters? <laughs> and even, even on that fight, um, there was some controversy because, uh, they had like, uh, put water all over Joel Romero during the break and then it right. took a little while to dry him off or whatever. I mean, he's kind of known for these stalling tactics during the break uh so that he can, you know, get more rested and you know, most famously for that, that Tim Kennedy fight a uh, couple years ago where he had like an extra 30 seconds or something like that to rest and then came back and he was losing the fight, had an extra 30 seconds cuz he stayed on the bench for some odd reason and came back and ended up knocking out uh, Tim Kennedy, which was very controversial, but I mean that fight was really scary. That flying knee—I mean, Weidman was out. He didn't get up very quickly after that. That was, and to see if somebody the size of Yoel Romero—I mean, he's built like a Marvel, you know, superhero oh, right, villain or something like that—and he just moves like incredibly. It's just amazing.
0: Now, there's a audio of um, Bisbing talking about who he wanted to fight next. Now this was recorded before UFC 25 and um, they were he, 205, uh, right? The 205. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm 25. I'm like, wait, <laughs> who, yeah, no, who they, they asked him who, who do you want to fight? He was on some podcast. Who do you want to fight? Um, Yo Romero or Chris Weidman. And he said that he wanted to fight Weidman because in his opinion, he thought Romero was on steroids. Right, so, right. Well, he he did get
1: caught for something, but uh, Yoel was one of the lucky ones with the Usada testing because apparently it was like a so-called tainted supplement that he had taken and he had no knowledge of it or whatever. But right. given given his history of of kind of bending the rules and whatnot. Um, you know, I mean, of course, hey, they they found him innocent. So who's to say? But, you know, um, yeah, I'm always a little bit disappointed that the Cuban guys are are all cheaters in the UFC. Yeah, I mean,
0: you know, well, not just in the USA. I mean, you know, well, oh, Castro, to, dude, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking guy cheats, man. Scarface, they're all a bunch of cheaters. Yeah, check, I think I checked. We have absolutely no listeners from Cuba. We can.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this kind of podcast would be totally illegal (laughs) if we speak too freely about too many topics. They wouldn't allow it over there. And um, in in terms of the uh, the other fights, well, one there was the the Misha Tate and Raquel Pennington fight in which Misha Tate retired uh, after that too, which, you know, I'm I'm always kind of happy if a fighter's kind of on a downward slide, I'd rather just see them retire than right. continually go in the ring and just get the sma you know, just the, the crap smacked out of them. It's I, you know, if, if a fighter doesn't have it in them, I think really the best thing for them to do is just get out of the game.
0: Right. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think Raquel Pennington now, I mean, I don't know who she's going to fight, but she's, you know, she's definitely has a, uh... She definitely probably has one more fight until they give her the title, right? I mean, that's all yeah. well, they we give her a title shot. I uh, and
1: and what did you think of Tyron Woodley and Wonder Boy?
0: Okay, so I was actually you know I was actually surprised with that. First of all, I um, what did I, you what did you think was going to happen? Wonder Boy reminds me of Connor in a way that he fights a little weird. He has all those awesome angles. I thought Tyron Woodley was going to be able to you know. Out wrestle him, mm-hmm. but I thought eventually uh, Thompson was going to win. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of
1: grind out a decision, point him out, point him on right, the decision. Out
0: point that, that's kind of like what I, I my impression of that going in. I you know I mean it was a majority draw. I mean so you you, you could say either guy won the fight. You know what I mean? Right. I was actually surprised at uh, at the result. Although I am kind of a fan of Tyrone Woodley, and not a longtime fan, I literally just heard him on a podcast not too long ago, and just really liked the guy. He came off really well, and I I thought, you know, he sounded good. Now, Tyrone Woodley, who fights at one seventy, Con has made more than a couple of jokes about moving up to one seventy to fight fight him for that title. Right? It's fucking crazy, but that is crazy. I think I think that would be the death of Conor McGregor, but um, but you know what we've said that before. Exactly. We we actually we say that nearly every time he goes into the ring, we're proven right. wrong. <laughs> right. This is true. Right. Because you know they're gonna either make him fight Tony Ferguson or Khabib. You know, yeah, I don't think matter. either one of those fights are gonna happen
1: because they're not a big enough draw for Connor and Connor wants to take, I just read today, he wants to take six months off anyway, because his wife is pregnant or right. his girlfriend or whatever. And every time he fights, she gets really stressed out, he said, so he doesn't want her right. getting stressed out during the pregnancy. So, um, and you know, he just did what nobody else was able to do. I mean, he, all the, all the cards are stacked in his favor right now. I mean, if the UFC wants him to do anything or fight anybody, I mean, like he says, they're literally going to have to beg if, if they want him to do something.
0: Right. Sure. 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 But it, so, was, it uh, was a great night. It was a great night. It
1: was a great night. I really wish you could have been there. But, uh, you know, we watched it a few blocks away at my school. It was a lot of fun. And and uh, we'll look forward to seeing UFC in, in, in MSG again. Oh, my daughter is, is wheeling herself in here right now. My little one, my one-year-old. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes. All right. So, um, yeah, great. Well, why don't we get to Anthony's question?
0: Sure. Okay. So here's Anthony's question. Um, next question for the dudes. Hitting in cheese out. When I cheese out, I rarely ever make face or neck contact, and only light like body contact. Yet some people are a bit excessive with contact. What are your thoughts on the topic, and what would you do if someone makes excessive contact with you? Mm-hmm. All right, that's a. I think that's a really, really damn good question. Um, I'm probably. I, I. geez, Okay. So. I don't make a lot I don't make a lot of content. You know, I really think this is something that's um school based. Sure. You have to kind of go with what your what you, what your school does. Um I know and, and and within the school, just you know, two people kinda of have an understanding of listen, this is what I like to do. Um right. I, I like to separate the idea of cheese out and sparring. If you want to spar me, I'll fucking spar you. I'll fight you. But I don't look at Chi Sao as sparring. So I'm going to go along with Anthony in that I don't... I'm For me, personally, I'm not going to say this is right or wrong, but for me, personally, I don't like a whole bunch of hard contact in, spar, in uh, Chi Sao. I, I tend... I will place my hand on the chin or neck, but I won't hit to the neck or face. Um, I will kind of hit with the back of my hand on the chest, on the, on the breastbone, boom, you know? But, um... I look at chi in the way we do it here as more as um, something to, to show a line is opening and to show control. So, oh, look, I open the line and I put my arm in to show that I control the center. To me, that's what more in how we do Chi-Sao it's about. Now, have I had people use excessive contact? Yes, absolutely. In fact, at uh, one seminar, a good friend of mine who likes to use um, finger locks, he i was doing cheese out with him and he grabbed my finger and bent my finger back and i said dude listen i work on a computer you can't do that if i break my finger i won't be able to go to work and he said oh that's part of my game i'm like well then maybe we shouldn't cheese out and he said no 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 don't worry i won't do it anymore so we did it and then a couple months later he did it again so i said ah dude what are you doing you're gonna break my finger and he goes oh i'm sorry it just came out and i said no problem Listen, move on to somebody else. And I just walked away. And I think he thought, like, I got mad at him. And I wasn't mad at him. I understand it's part of his game. But I have to respect who I am. And I'm not going to have a broken finger doing cheese out. Sure. So you kind of have to have an understanding between you and your partner. OK, this is where the limits are. you know. And you can get even more specific. Like, you know, in um, in, in, in my family, we don't do a lot of... Like it's kind of frowned upon to do a lot of Buji type techniques, you know, the the elbow coming over and stuff. It, it, it Now that um, if you need to do that, you've kind of lost. You know, um, the, we we tend to look for more side to side movement and and um, and inserting of the arms at different angles. But again, that's just school based or lineage <laughs> based, and you have to go with what what works for you guys. But uh, what say you, Mr. Wing Chun Man?
1: <laughs> um, yeah, well, I mean, pretty much what you said is is basically the, the most sensible thing. I mean, one, it depends on the culture of the school. Obviously, there's some schools that are a little bit more uh, heavy-handed, and they generally tend to attract people who are heavy-handed and don't have a problem with that kind of training. And then other schools are a little bit, you know, more lighthearted and like to feel the flow and feel the different energies, man. Like, I'm going to that with you. Like, I just, I just get a very cool, positive vibe, you know? So, so like the the I, I suppose the the gamut in which Wing Chun schools uh, uh, run in in terms of like being really heavy handed and being really kind of hippie touchy feely you know also kind of uh, uh, is, is quite wide. Um, one of the things in 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 Hong Kong Wing Chun like uh, wing, the Wing Chun that that I teach. Is uh, we we have a saying you know, well, it's not a saying it's it's a phrase lao lek lao lek means to control your force or literally to keep or save your force, and it was always um, it, within within the learning schools it was always emphasized that especially the higher level instructors that they can control the junior level students without having to like put the whip on them you know what i mean like right. if, if you have if you have good control of center line and good mm-hmm. reflexes and skills or whatever you you can show somebody um look i got you here just like what you were saying like i can put my hand on your neck or your jaw or your chest and let you know okay okay I could have hit you with this, I could have pummeled you with this, um, but I didn't, and I'm only able to hit you because you you made a mistake, right? right. Um, and if there's an understanding that this is fine, then that's not a problem. Because again, qi Sao was only one of the methods that we use in Wing Chun to teach fight instruction, basically, and we also have sparring, and we also have Wing Chun versus non-Wing Chun sparring, and we have all sorts of um, practical fighting drills and other things too. So part of the I, of what i see is in many wing chun schools especially the very traditional ones or wing chun schools in hong kong for example chi sao is kind of the only method they have of any kind of interaction with their partner it's like they come and they do the forms maybe they hit the wall bag or something like that and then their only interaction with their partner is chi sao so it becomes this very strange passive aggressive um we're not really fighting because it's chi but we're kind of fighting. So it doesn't really matter if who wins because we're training, but I still kind of want to win. So uh, I, I always see like a very strange, passive aggressive <laughs> attitude in chi like kind of pretending not to fight, but really still wanting to win. Right. And I find that really douchey and insincere. Um, in, in In my school, we use a lot of controlled force. We the students learn to land with, with with the punch on the chest or whatever without hurting their partner. Right, and they need to train this so that they can do it at high speed, and um, that they can do it reliably. And we always have a dialogue with our partner. So, like, um, if your partner feels more energetic, say, Hey, if you want to, if you want to land a little bit harder with your palm, or you want to launch me away when you hit me, or you want to grab me a little bit harder, I'm totally cool with that. And other times they might say, Oh, let's just go a little bit easy. And that's an understanding that happens between individual training partners in the school and as long as it's open and there's a dialogue about it it's fine and also my students know if they want to practice their skills in an environment where they see if it works or not well that's what we call sparring that's what we put the gloves on for chi sao is just a laboratory for learning certain reflexes that we use but it's not the god that it's been made in many other wing chun schools and as a result we don't have these problems because it's not the only form of interaction people have um The only other thing I would say to that is that um, in WT, many WT instructors are known for being kind of rough, and um, that some schools kind of don't have a problem with that. I came from a lot of very rough Wing Chun WT, and I didn't have a problem with it because it was still controlled somewhat. Uh, The problem that I encountered was, um, I, 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 learned a, I learned a very valuable lesson before I started teaching Wing Chun. Um, I don't know if I ever told this story. I might've told this story, um, but when I was a student, uh, uh, Wing Chun student, I was still training in Germany. I came to visit my parents, and this was about a year before I started teaching Wing Chun in New York, so I still had a year left at my training in Langsau Castle. And at the time, I was already like an assistant trainer, and I was training six hours a day, five days a week. I was in my early twenties. I was like, you know, you know, you know, re- ready to go. And 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 I visited my parents uh, back back here on the East Coast. And while I was here, I, I thought I would go check out some Wing Chun school. Although I was hardcore WT guy, I was training at the Castle. I just wanted to see what some other Wing Chun guys were doing here in the states. So I visited a Wing Chun school. Uh, I'm not going to say who it was, but I'll just say that the person who was teaching. Uh, as a person of note, somebody who has um, videos and has uh, uh, had a name and had been teaching in Wing Chun in in the area for many, many years. So I was just a junior nobody and he was like a very senior Wing Chun person. And I just saw that he was teaching class and I was just watching. I, I wasn't going to participate because I already did Wing Chun. I just wanted to see if I'm going to teach Wing Chun in the future, I want to see what my competition looks like, right? So... I'm watching this guy and then, you know, I'm not saying anything. And he comes up to me and he starts talking to me and he asks me, um, do you do Wing Chun? I said, oh yeah, I've I've done a little. (laughs) I was like trading full time at that time. I'm like, you know, I've done a little. (laughs) And he's like, well, okay. um, uh, Why don't we do some cheese Sao and I can give you some tips. Right. And in in kind of a way was that, um, well, I, I didn't want to be presumptuous or arrogant because I was very young, but in my Early 20-year-old mind, I was thinking, quite honestly, um, I didn't ask you for tips, motherfucker. Like, I'm just <laughs> watching you. You know what I mean? And, and, and I don't mean to be crass or whatever, but that's – I'm very different now. But that's what I thought in my early 20s. I was like, dude, I'm just watching. I didn't ask you for any tips. And based on what I was seeing, it wasn't something I really cared to learn. I started doing cheese – but I was like, whatever. Um, I start doing cheese out with this guy, um, and this was after his class. Uh, some of his students were watching and we start rolling in pun and he tries to give me like um, like a lap cell back fist right and when he does it the first time i defend it using uh, one of the tactics we use in long ten wing chun which is not to bring up the hand in a wu cell which is very common in pedestrian that's not how we defend it he, he goes to give me a lap cell back fist and and i i use a special tactic and i stopped him right but I was very polite because when I was a teenager, I had this guy's videos, okay, just to give you some perspective. Right, right, I didn't right. want to, like, punch this guy in the face, right? So I controlled his arm. I put my hand right in front of his um, face, and I stopped. I didn't hit him in the chest, and right. I didn't hit him in the face. I stopped, right? We go back. He tells, then he tells me I'm wrong, right? I totally stopped his move. I stopped my hand in front of his face, and then he tells me I'm wrong, all right? Just like, okay. <laughs> he tries it again. All right, the second time, same thing happens. I tie up his arms, I put my hand in front of his face, and I stop short because I do not want to hit this guy, right? He tells me I'm wrong, tells me something about whatever, blah, 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 blah. He does it the third time, as if it's the only thing he can do from g right? And I use a different tactic. We have a, a few other tactics to solve this lap cell back fist out of pun cell problem, right? So I use something else and I stop him. All right. As a matter of fact, um, you know, when you're in Punta and somebody tries to grab underneath the bridge and give you the laptop backfist, all I did was do a juts out because he grabbed under his bridge. So when I did the juts out, he was totally trapped. So I trapped him. I put my hand in front of his face and I stopped because I didn't want to hit him the third time. When I go to retract my hand, he whips his hand back and gives me a back fist across my face. Full power. Out. Yeah, I mean and and he hit me so hard. I literally my I saw I saw stars like in a Looney Tunes cartoon. Yeah. Like he hit me right on the temple That's and fun. smack right across the face. And you have to imagine he attacked me three times. I defended it, held my force, did not hit him once. And the third time he just hits me across the face and I was like, wh- I was like, what? You need to control your force. I didn't even need you. He's like, oh, I was controlling my force. And then make a long story short 30 seconds later, we were wrestling on the floor and it just got really ugly. And then I left that place and I remember looking, I sat in the car and I remember looking in the rear view mirror and seeing this huge bruise on the side of my head and being so angry because the only reason I didn't hit him or smack him or anything is because I had respect for him. And he's supposed to be a senior guy or whatever, and show some kind of level of control or whatever. And he hits me across the face because he's embarrassed that he couldn't do anything against me. Right. And that's when I really realized there's no such thing as a friendly match in Chinese martial arts. That's why as much as I'm like a bro to all the Wing Chun guys and everything like that, when people are like, hey, dude, can we just like do some Qi Sao or whatever? I'm always like, I don't know what that means for you. Right. People pay... $200 an hour or $200 for 45 minutes to learn from me. You want to do cheese out with me for free? Cause you think I'm your buddy. I don't know who you are. And right. if you want to fight, you can just tell me that. But if you want to pretend we're going to do cheese, so you can get a cheap shot, I'm going to break your face because you're not my training partner. Right. So it's a matter of like, as long as we know what we're doing, bro, I'm cool, but don't pretend you want to do cheese out. And then suddenly, you know, they go from, uh, uh, from 0 to 100, that moment they feel they can't do anything and then they need to use speed and they need to use power. If you want to hit me with full power and full speed, just tell me right from the beginning that's what you want and I'll be ready. But don't play the kind of passive lulling game. So yeah. that's kind of my my thing too. So, you, you know, Chisao is a very stupid form of... Comparison. It's a training exercise. And um, it's 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 too much of the god of too many Wing Chun schools, and that's why there's too many hurt egos, because it is their only form of interaction. So that's what right. I would say about that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, that's, uh, first of all, I'm sorry that happened to you. That That's fucked up. No, it's perfect. It was a great learning experience. happened before I taught. Uh, I was happy it happened then. I, I look at, you know, and I, I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying this, but I don't care. Um, I look at guys that have to hit really hard in Chi-Sao, like you know, guys that need to fight in Chi-Sao, yes. other Guys that don't fucking spar. Yes. You know yeah.
1: Absolutely. Thing? Absolutely.
0: It, it, to me, it's the biggest indicator of guys that do not spar, because you you can tell when they don't spar. They they to them Chi-Sao is sparring, even though they'll say it. They'll say, "Oh no, Chi-Sao's not sparring." Yeah, but
1: they get they, they give it lip service because that's what they're supposed to say.
0: Right. You know. But to me, when a guy says, "Oh, I like to go heavy in Chi-Sao, all I hear in my head is, "Oh, I don't have the balls to spar."
1: One hundred percent.
0: That's just it. And 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 just to coincide with this, just because it's a related topic, um, there's there's a famous there's a famous uh, Wing Chun guy out there who likes to slap people's faces, mm-hmm. and, and you know, and he, the, the, his people post video. This motherfucker ever slapped my face. I would beat his fucking ass with a bat if I had to. <laughs> There is no reason to slap a person at all whatsoever if you're just sitting there. If you're going around to people and say, hey, do you want a cheese out? Hey, do you want cheese out? Hey, do you want cheese out? And you're cheese out, and, and because some guy gives you an ounce of resistance back, like, oh, because you can't get in, you fucking make believe bullshit. Wing Chun person, <laughs> that now when you finally do tie up his hands with your, with your, 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 your pussy-filled fucking hand technique where you ever see they, they rest both their hands on your arms on the outside to, to kind of make sure that you can't hit them, you know? Right. It's, it's just, and then he slaps people's face. And, man, if that guy is your Sifu and you know who I mean, he, he's a fucking dick. Don't fucking call him Sifu. Anybody that's to right. slap people's face, to make him make themselves feel better about themselves is a dick. And you know Absolutely. what? It's just a shame that, that, it, that, that, that goes on. So Anthony, in answer to your question, I'm with you, brother. I think you don't need, cause you don't need to start hitting heavy and chi out. That that's, that's a bullshit thing to, to, um, to prove that you don't spar and, and to be, exactly. don't I don't know, bro.
1: I don't know, bro, if you don't go heavy and cheese out and it's not real, I mean, what's the point, bro? Like, everything we do is fighting. You know, even when I do my sunum towel form, man, I do it like with a a vest on, I punch a wall bag while I do the form, I have people come and kick me in the groin because, you know what, if it's not real, bro, it's not real. (laughs) You know, like I always go laugh when I hear those kind of dudes, like, it's like, yeah, of course. It's
0: like, you know, I also like when they ask you a question of, like, something stupidly ridiculously impossible. Like, like, Oh, what do you do if someone's kicking towards your groin? Well, they're like, "Whoa, whoa! You can't rescind your testicles." Like, you no, know? <laughs> you haven't gone to that lesson yet. What, what the fuck? You know? Yeah,
1: it's like it's one of the final lessons in the wooden dummy. You know, right, I think you right. actually use the wooden dummy to just jam them up in there. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, there's just so many fake motherfuckers in the martial arts. It's scary. Yes,
1: yes, yes, yes.
0: You know, and it's not new, right? It's been going back how many years with these fake ass motherfuckers? Well, long time. I mean, you know, the interesting thing is that the internet is making it increasingly
1: more difficult for these people to kind of do what they used to do. If you think about... You know, in the in the seventies and eighties, it was very easy for people to write books and spin stories because the ability to verify stuff and look stuff up just just wasn't wasn't there in the way uh, that it is now. And of course, there's a lot of misinformation in the internet as well. But um, for example, whoa whoa, whoa, if you, whoa, whoa,
0: wait, wait, you're saying there's wrong, there's shit that's wrong on the
1: internet? Well, there's some stuff. I mean, some of the stuff <laughs> I've read about Justin Bieber, I just do not want to believe. But you know, oh, no,
0: no. that shit, he's a jerk.
1: <laughs> okay maybe maybe um no i mean no there's stuff on the internet about justin bieber being like a nice and normal guy i just refuse to believe that <laughs> so, like, <laughs> but like for example t- take um uh take the story of frank dukes the guy that the uh that Bloodsport was was based off of now Bloodsport, of course for many of us who who grew up during that time period Bloodsport's an amazing movie and I watch it now, and sure, the fight scenes are kind of on the hokey side, but if you think about the story of Bloodsport, like going to Hong Kong to fight in an underground tournament and all this kind of stuff, it's a great movie. And, I mean, it, it, it launched Van Damme's career because it was a very, very compelling film. But, of course, we were supposed to swallow the fact that the Kumite was a real story. And, and if um, I don't know if you know any of the history of Frank Dukes, but uh, when when Bloodsport came out, the L.A. Times this huge expose on frank dukes and basically you know because he claimed like to be in the cia and work as the spy and all this kind of stuff and if you want to see something really weird all right this is like this is my youtube tip of the week frank dukes himself uh basically produced a, a documentary about himself and it's on youtube (laughs) <laughs> it's. A, I think it's about an hour. It's maybe a little bit longer than an hour. I think it's called Put Up Your Dukes, D-U-X. Um, oh, me. But the crazy thing is he's essentially trying to justify all of these claims that he's had about the fact that he was a spy and the fact that um, you know Van Damme tried to, like, rip him off later and that the Kumite was real and all this. And it is insane because if you watch it. As somebody who doesn't know anything about martial arts, you would watch this thing and go, dude, this guy's an absolute hack. And yes, he might know some martial arts, and that's always the thing. The reason why a lot of these frauds sometimes get a lot of people b- believing them and, and they, they prey on people's incredulity, but the thing is sometimes they actually have legit martial arts skill. I mean, if you look at Frank Dukes, he clearly did learn some kind of karate or something when he was younger. I mean, he can throw a sidekick and throw a punch and do this and that or whatever, but... It's like they kind of build off of something. And then from there, they make the story a little bit bigger and a little bit more fantastic or whatever. And if you have the chance, if you have like an hour where you're not doing anything on the weekend, sit and watch this, like put up your Dukes or something with Frank Duke. So it's like a, a one hour documentary by Frank dude It is insane because you basically. Listen to this guy try to justify, like, essentially a fantasy life where he was obsessed with James Bond when he was a kid. And then, of course, it turns out in his adulthood, oh, he worked as a spy and he did this and he did that. And it's like, I don't know, dude. Most spies <laughs> I think don't go around talking about how they are spies and right. how they did all this stuff too, you know? So there's a lot of and he has a lot of weird witnesses who um like he has Victor
0: Moore. Do you know who Vic Moore is? Oh yeah, I know who Vic Moore is. The guy claims that he fucking um claims that he beat Bruce Lee. Yeah, he beat, beat beat Bruce Lee and then but except when you look at the video, it's I mean there's fucking video of Bruce yes. Lee owning his ass. Yes. Hey. And, 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 and the guy, you know, it's a, it was a demonst-
1: one of the demonstrations that Bruce Lee right. used to do in the old uh, tournaments back then is, you know, he would take some high-level karate black belt and basically tell him to hold his hand up in front of his face. And out of distance, Bruce would just kind of stand there and be- basically, you know, do his incredibly fast lunging attack and basically kind of tap the guy, uh, sure. you, you know, just to kind of see that he could get in before the guy had a chance to block. And uh, Vic Moore, uh, who now goes by the title of Grandmaster, of course uh, – um, was one of those guys. He uh, was a young uh, African-American gentleman. You can see the video. It's probably from one of the Long Beach tournaments or whatever. Right. And uh, Bruce Lee's standing there, and Bruce Lee does it like – two, three times to him, and Vic Moore cannot stop it. And, right, in yeah, fact, afterwards... Video, you seem laughing. You seem like, wow, that was awesome. kind of. Like yeah, laughing. he was laughing like, oh, man, he's so fast, and he was, like, bowing to Bruce Lee or whatever. Right. And there's a YouTube video of this clown now saying that, oh, he blocked all of those things, and then he countered Bruce and did all that. And it's like, um, yeah. do you know that there's a video that's been out forever with this? So, you know, and Vic Moore... Oddly enough, is one of the guys who vouches for Frank Dukes's credentials. So, okay, yeah. Um, yeah. So, anyway, if you have a chance to see that YouTube documentary, it is fascinating. There's another charlatan who yeah, I, I went through this weird phase about ten years ago where I was really fascinated by martial arts charlatans and I was like researching all of them or whatever. The other one is the Ninja Master Ashita Kim. <laughs> who's a white guy from Florida, who goes by Ashita Kim, which is a Japanese and Korean name, because that's legit, and (laughs) wrote all these books about ninjutsu in the 80s, and he has the most ridiculous videos on YouTube, and he will even certify you as a black belt in whatever martial art you want. You basically send him, like, 100 bucks. And I think on that Bullshito forum, some MMA guys, like, sent in a – um to get a black belt from him in the martial art of MMA and they sent him like a 100 bucks and the whatever he needed or whatever and then he issued them a certificate of black that they were black belts in MMA that's awesome <laughs> that sounds really funny really. Yeah, we no, can just, podca- we could do a whole podcast we could do a whole
0: podcast on a sheet of kim you know the one of the problems is people are, are nice and people are friendly and people don't want to cause uh cause problems in their lives, and who needs the drama. Sure. But when people make these ridiculous claims about having some secret teacher who is whatever, and, you know, oh, you know, we I didn't even know he was teaching me, you know, some dumb fuck until I, you know, later on, 20 years later, YouTube did some dumb fuck and realized that I was the great grandmaster, and I didn't even know it because, you know... <laughs> My my housekeeper was teaching it to me at night, and I only knew her first name as Hilda, but I didn't even know her last <laughs> name was whatever, and I didn't even know that I was learning from the... It's like such fucking bullshit.
1: Yes. It, it, it plays on um, the kind of martial art fantasies that were prevalent in the 60s and 70s. And nowadays with MMA, one of the good things about MMA, and I say this as somebody who teaches a traditional martial art, is that it's definitely exposed a lot of the bullshit it doesn't mean that there's still not bullshit going on and hey there's also bullshit going on in mma schools and bjj schools as well obviously with any kind of successful enterprise it it also brings the charlatans and so on and so forth um but it's definitely exposed that to a certain degree and that whole idea that you know like we call the mr miyagi effect that you are going that that your handyman that you didn't know that you see every day is a martial arts master and he's going to teach you the secrets and whatever and you know, there are people that have essentially concocted entire careers out of this kind of thing. Frank Dukes is one of them. I mean, he says he learned from from this guy Tanaka. You know, that And and, and people have done legit research. Like, they, they went in the records in California and looked up for people named Tanaka with that certain age, and they found nobody. Right, right and, right, and then he was like, oh, this Tanaka was the guy that they based some James Bond character on or villain or something like that. I mean, his, his obsession with James Bond is is telling enough in in why he has spun this ridiculous story about himself it's like dude you are just living a fantasy life that you never had
0: people have to come to the come to terms with the fact that it's okay to be who you are yes you know i i, I say it a million times i'm a fat kid from brooklyn you know and <laughs> it's just the truth you have to kind of be okay with who you are sure. and if people don't want to accept you for who you are well then that's fine. They can move on and do what the hell they want to do. They can go train with, you know, a well, more well-known personalities and things to that effect. But sure, like Vic, be, Vic Moore. Like, like Vic Moore, exactly right. <laughs> you know, or, or some asshole who dresses like a fucking cat person from 1970. Um, <laughs> you know, you have to kind of be, okay, when people start making up bullshit fight records... Oh, you know, I'm 52 and 0 in this martial art or sport or whatever. Or, you know, I fucking tapped out, you know, all these fucking uh, black belts and shit. It just, it just sounds ridiculous. Yes. And you know what? A lot of these are really good, well-meaning people that live in this fucking fantasy world. And and it's time for them to say, hey, you know what? This is who I am. Like, listen. I studied with Steve Golden. I studied with Tom Kagan. I studied with Matt Thornton. I'm not you know, I'm not a fucking MMA fighter. I don't have any secret teachers. I you know, it's I, I am who I am. If you ask me what do I do, I'll tell you what I do. If you ask me who I train with, I'll tell you who I train with. It's right there's no secrets here, there's no fantasy world. You know, I'm I'm a fat kid from Brooklyn who's now a fat guy on Staten Island. You know, <laughs> do I have game? Yeah, I have a little bit of a game. Can I make it better? I think I can make you better. Let me show you how. But like there's no like, oh, you know, I had a secret teacher who, you know, when I used to work at the Atrium Movie Theater as a kid, in between movies, he would teach me a secret move in the dark and we would practice behind <laughs> the curtains and, you know. It was did, just,
1: did that oh, secret move uh, in, in, involve you showing any of your your parts I, to him? <laughs> I had to show him my pee-pee, but that was... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then he would teach you a special move. Right, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's crazy i mean that's people not really... how you
0: measure for pants no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know and it's unfortunate that people really think that that is you know that's the thing that they need to say that's going to impress them or whatever um you know nowadays uh people are impressed with those things that they can see they can see look you really learned from this person you stayed with this person for a number of years and and uh oh no my teacher is some dude you've never heard of before and and, you know, that, that at this point with the Internet and, and, and the way information travels, it just it's becoming increasingly more ridiculous to even think that things like that can even exist anymore.
0: Right. I mean, it's 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 I just don't think they realize how embarrassing it is for them. Sure. Sure. You know, it's like when I when I look at a video and uh, some sort of self-promotional video and some guy who's on any other level is a basically nice guy starts giving you bullshit that he's, you know, a 27th degree black belt in whatever, in whatever jiu-jitsu and, and starts talking about bullshit fight records and, you know, I'm, you know, 27 and and, and two in MMA and 15 and zero in boxing and, you know, 27 and and zero in fucking Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It's, it's just absurd. People, you know, I don't think they realize that people are looking at him. They're not impressed. They're right. saying, oh, my God, you're full of shit.
1: You know, it's like... <laughs> uh, it's funny with the internet now is you have people who who kind of make fun of that, too. Like, um, you have people who intentionally pretend to be martial artists that they're not. But it's it's like a spoof. Like, do you ever follow Renato LaRanja? No. Renato LaBranja is... is I think he's a comedian from Los Angeles. And he's friends with, like, Joe Rogan and Eddie Bravo. But he's, he's like, an American comedian. And he... Pretends to be a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu champion from Brazil, and he says he's a 27 time Brazilian Jiu Jitsu champion. <laughs> but his whole thing is a spoof, and I think Renato Laranja in Portuguese means orange belt or something like that. <laughs> and he speaks with like a fake Brazilian, jiu- um, sorry, a fake Brazilian Portuguese accent, you know, like, um, and always, ha- and he's on Instagram, and he has the funniest posts, like, He'll post like lots of like big bootied women and stuff like that. And he'll say, uh, no pay my child support. Instead, <laughs> child support. he says, child support. <laughs> like, you know, like, it's just really, really, really funny. And I think if you're going to be a fake in martial arts these days, you might as well do it on purpose and make it funny because people will yeah, really I like that.
0: He wears the red G. I forget his name.
1: Oh, um, from Enter the Dojo, uh, Master right. Ken. Mar- yeah, like yeah, that he- is great. That's awesome. Yes, exactly, and I think that that I is kind of the. Bullshit. the, the yeah, that's bullshit, Do you see that yeah. one where he was clowning Wing Chun and he did that that drill and it ended up just being a big patty cake yeah, thing yeah, at the yeah, end, yeah. and he's like,
0: that was, great. <laughs> that was so great. See, and it's okay. funny, yes. Sorry, just, the biggest indicator if you're an asshole, is yes. if that upset you, you're an asshole, right? right?
1: If yes, exactly, exactly. If you're, yeah, yeah, the last because yes
0: they can make fun of Wing Chun. And 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 you get upset, you're an asshole. That's
1: just absolutely, it. absolutely. If you if you don't have a sense of humor about what you do, it's like look, we teach traditional Chinese martial arts and kung fu in the modern age of MMA or whatever. So you, you're going to have to be able to take your lumps in in the media. And when, look, when people clown kung fu or they clown. Wing Chun or whatever, it's like, for the most part, I'm laughing with them, because most of the stuff I see out there, I find really funny, too. And right. the first person to say any bad shit about Wing Chun is going to be me. And like I've said before, not just the other, like, all oh, the other guys, but mine is correct. But I clown the hell out of the stuff that, that some of my seniors do as well. I mean, you, you know, for, for me, uh, um, there's a a, a a way of expressing Wing Chun, which I think is very genuine and very practical and, and closer to what the original martial art was, and then there's just a sea of crap. And that stuff is funny for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> so those guys thinking that they can stop a boxing attack by, you know, uh, the, the, you know uh, a, a jab cross by doing a double Pax or something like All that. Right. <laughs> just just like, go, okay. Um, yes, let's see. Let's see how that works.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, oh you know, one day we have to do a podcast just a run through on drills. They could take the basic Wing Chun drills. I say basic. I should say fundamental Wing Chun drills. Mm -hmm. And each of us give a tip or two on the drill. You know that? I think, I think that would be a fun podcast. We can just do like, we're going to go through some fundamental drills and each of us give one or two tips per drill. I think that would I think people would find that really uh, useful and we can have some fun with that too.
1: I think so too, and I, I don't know. We've kind of bounced this idea around because obviously the format for our podcast for season one and so far in season two has been purely audio, but we do actually videotape these because uh, it's part of the format. It's part of the platform in which we record them. We don't we don't put the video out there because it's basically two huge heads right in front of the camera that nobody wants to see. But I don't know uh, what you think about it, Sean. I mean, we, we've talked about it a couple of times and maybe we can get some listener feedback on this. If we, um, if we tighten up our visual presentation or whatever, and we start doing, uh, you know where people can download the the podcast either as an audio or they can watch a video of it um, then it would be much easier for actually for us to physically show stuff because it's a little bit difficult when we're just doing that in an audio format like yeah, you know, dude, we, dude bring your elbow up what do you mean elbow you know like up right 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 <laughs>
0: okay. Maybe we could do like a, a one season you know how one, like once once per season we kind of get together to yeah, like do a live yes. one maybe yes, once once per season a video podcast
1: sounds I mean, great I'd be down with that.
0: Yeah, that that would be a lot of fun, and you know, and listen, I'm going to make sure that you have to wear clothes this time. But uh... (laughs) damn it, damn it! (laughs) But I will be naked. Um,
1: (laughs) It's my turn. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds great, man. I I think uh, I I think the you know the listeners are into it. um, You know, I think we can definitely do some interesting stuff with the uh, with the visual format as well.
0: Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So I want to remind everybody to... uh, to follow us on Facebook if you don't follow the Dudes of Kung Fu page on Facebook if you haven't liked it if you don't follow us on Twitter what is wrong with you listening to the podcast how can you not like us on Facebook and Twitter just go on the facial books and like the damn Dudes of Kung Fu page and go on the Twitter and if you don't have a Twitter account just make a Twitter account and follow us on Twitter we need more followers on the Dudes of Kung Fu Twitter so uh, follow us there obviously as always send in your comments send in your feedbacks Send us topics you guys want us to talk about on the uh, on the podcast, and and if you would share the episodes of the podcast, share the page. Don't forget to put hashtags, dudes of kung fu, and please put hashtag kung fu genius. Anytime you talk about me. All right. The Kung Fu genius of the Wing Chun world, Alex Richter. If you have a chance, also visit my website, SifuAlexRichter.com, where you can read all about the Kung Fu genius himself. And um, also our podcast is on there, too, for people. If you're interested, you can also stream the podcast from SifuAlexRichter.com as well. Um, Sean, you got your classes going on. How can people
0: contact you best if they want to learn your secret moves in Staten Island? Just give me a call at 917-509-9008. Leave a message and I will call you back. Probably. You don't sound like an asshole.
1: Putting your cell phone on the podcast—that's a brave move, sir. <laughs>
0: okay, wait, here's Alex's number. No, yeah, like- <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That's not gonna happen. That's not gonna happen. <laughs> I don't, I don't even answer the, the 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 messages on my public page anymore. It's like it's just too much, just too much. Well, hey man, this was a lot of fun. I'm um, yeah. looking forward to the next one. And um, yeah, man, have a great week, and and uh, we'll 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 be doing this shortly.
0: Talk to you soon, guys. I hope everybody had a good time. (laughs) Bye-bye.